Hi, everyone. Today, we'll be focusing on what it means to be a leader, specifically what it means to be people leader. Um, I remember when I was practicing and talking to my colleagues, one of the things we kept talking about, how do you sort of advance in your career? How do you become one good at what you do? And then how do you manage others effectively and how you ultimately become a leader? Um, and it seemed one of those things that was sometimes hard to figure out because sometimes legal departments are very agile, they're small, um, and sometimes it may be difficult to get to the point where you lead people. And when you get there, you may or may not have skills. So today we have that conversation with somebody that I've known for a long, long, long time and admired. Um, and, and she is one of a, you know, a few women that I, I met along the way on my becoming a general counsel. And she was very, very, um, inspiring to me. So Anirma, welcome to the show. It's good to see you. Um, please introduce yourself. Thank you, Olga. And, uh, that's, uh, quite, uh, quite a delightful introduction. And, um, let me say I've, uh, admired you as well. You've gone from, you know, being a lawyer to doing so much more. And it's just been amazing to watch you. Um, so I'm Anirma Gupta, uh, currently, uh, SVP and, uh, general counsel at Carbon Inc. Uh, I've been practicing law for almost 30 years and, uh, have done quite a few things along the way. Uh, starting out as a frontline attorney and uh, working my way uh, into management. Um, so let's, you know, let's situate you uh, on, in your journey. Um, today, um, you, you are leading a legal department and, and, and people. Um, and, um, but before you got there, there were stops along the way. Um, what are sort of maybe highlights? Uh, what were the major stops that shaped who you are today? Um, so I started out working in a law firm as a litigation associate doing patent litigation. Uh, and that's where it's, you know, doing the work. Uh, and uh, eventually moved to my first in-house role at Sun Microsystem. And that's where I started my journey on uh, moving into management and leadership. Uh, started out as a frontline uh, patent attorney and uh, eventually uh, led the patent program for uh, the software side of the business um, and then moved uh, from there to into it. Um, started out as a manager there and building uh, the IP program and uh, took on more responsibility and uh, a larger group over time. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so you, you've had a few stops. And um, they, um, you started as a specialist in patent litigation. By the way, I started there too. <laughs> it's a small I, world. <laughs> it is a small world. It's a great place to start. Um, you know, if, if you are, if you consider yourself a tech lawyer, it's, it's a very helpful place to start. You know, I, I now manage both legal and business teams, and you need people to get somewhere to actually do the thing. And it's 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 a blessing to be surrounded by you know competent professionals who are driven. Um, and sometimes managing people is also frustrating. <laughs> so uh, it's both an opportunity and a learning curve. At what point did you know? that you actually want to be people manager and you want to embark on this journey of, of becoming, you know, good at it. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
It's interesting. I would say initially, it wasn't something that I sought. Um, it was sort of a default. Um, you know, I, uh, I was good at what I did, uh, was put into more senior level positions. And with that came teams. And if I look back, I probably wasn't very good at uh, being a people leader when I first started. Uh, it was to me still about getting the work done. And uh, I think over time, uh, with the gracious feedback of people around me, including those who I managed, my peers, and also my managers, uh, I came to realize that it was much more rewarding um, if I could develop those skills as a strong people leader. Um, you know, you develop really good working relationships with people, and it, it's it's really rewarding to be able to. Uh, help others be successful, help others feel fulfilled um, in what they do. And it's that sense of reward and uh, accomplishment and just human connection um, that I find really motivating. Okay, you said a lot of things. So let's unpack. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of nuggets. And one of the things you said in the beginning, as you get senior, um, there comes teams. Is there a way to sort of um, advance and have seniority in-house without managing team? Whether the two of them really have to go together? You know, I think it depends on the company. Um, I'm sure there are companies where you can have senior individual contributor roles, uh, particularly if it's a very specialized area. Um, but in my, uh, my experience, uh, my first in-house role was at Sun, where taking on more responsibility meant covering more of the company. Um, and that led to uh, naturally to management because I couldn't do all the work myself. Uh, similarly at Intuit, um, when I took on additional responsibilities, there's a broader scope of coverage. Um, and therefore, it's, you know, by default becomes more work than one person can do. Um, so I think it really depends on uh, the area uh, and and the company. So the other thing you mentioned is about you know you got there and then you received gracious feedback. <laughs> I've received a lot of gracious feedback in um, every job because I've never had the same job twice. So that by definition means I learned quite a lot. Um, and um, I'm just curious, how do you make sure that you hear the feedback, that you're open to feedback and you're learning? Because that, that's a skill in and of itself. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes feedback is useful and sometimes feedback, you know, uh, maybe is, is not meant for you. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> how do you, how do you kind of, you know, how do you um, make sure you're open to it? How do you filter? Uh, how, what do you, how do you make sense of that feedback? So I think the only way you can grow and learn is um, through feedback, through honest feedback. And I have made it a practice to actually seek it out and ask it. Um, it can be awkward initially, um, but particularly with those who, uh, who, who I manage, um, I periodically ask them, you know, not just how am I doing, but what's the one or two things that I could do better? Or what are the one or two things that I can help you with. Um, and I think encouraging that and creating that environment uh, makes it more likely that you'll get feedback. Um, and I think the, you know, internally, uh, I have to say feedback is positive, feedback is good. Um, and then you're right, 
you sometimes do have to apply a filter. Um, but I think that has to go hand in hand with really uh, listening to the feedback and thinking about my own behavior and saying, is there something that I could do differently? Um, but I think it's really important to have that honest conversation with yourself. You know, you, you clearly have a passion uh, and you care for people you, you, you lead. Why is it so important, do you think, focusing on people first? You know, you mentioned a couple of times you would like to see them thrive. That's a very strong statement. And grow. And clearly that comes with sort of a degree of caring and responsibility. So why? <laughs> I think there's a couple of reasons why, um, you know, the, uh, the practical reason is that when you're in a corporate environment, there's often a lot to do. And when you're in-house legal, it's often sticky problems that you're trying to solve under uh, significant time pressures. So you need to be able to get the work done. Um, and when people are happy, uh, you know, I find that they're more willing to jump in and be part of that team and help solve tough problems together. Um, so there's sort of that, that practical aspect of it. Uh, the second piece is um, we spend a lot of our waking hours working and it's really tough if somebody is miserable or it's a tough working environment and they're not happy. Um, that individual is a higher flight risk uh, they're probably not bringing their best selves to work. Um, so I think treating people well and um, acknowledging uh, what their needs are uh, is a win-win situation. Absolutely. Let's talk about the happy people, you know, because what I find is that um, as I sort of advance in my career, the, uh, there is an inverse relationship between how open folks are <laughs> and, um, and, and, and related to that, maybe how blind I am and my seniority. Um, that is to say, there is a tendency to not be entirely forthcoming with, with a leader. Um, and so that leads me to sort of a question of, of how do you actually assess someone's happiness, right? You know, you can ask them, are you happy? And that's probably a good place to start. Uh, but I, I find that there needs to be other inquiries um, because, you, you know, those are not peer conversations. They are filtered conversations often, especially with uh, highly achieving professionals, um, who, you know, who are very smart. Um, how do you really assess, you know, whether someone is actually happy? Happy is such a squishy word and it probably is really hard to assess. Um, I, you know, I think the, the way to assess things and probably a better word is engagement. You know, if you see somebody who is energized at work, who is diving into projects, um, who is asking for additional opportunities, um, it's clear that that person, um, you know, is more likely to be uh, happy or satisfied or engaged. And do you sort of focus on how do they react in circumstances, for example, if you, that you offer them new responsibilities? Do you, um, you know, in running a legal department, do you solicit feedback from your internal clients? Um, is this formal or is this informal? How do you sort of get an assessment, you know, uh, with your direct or even indirect reports where they are on this curve of, of happiness? <laughs> 
Sure. Um, it's probably informal, but I do, you know, one-on-ones with my direct reports and periodically check in on how things are going. And then for the next level, I, I think skip levels are important. Um, and it's, it's a skill that's developed over time, but you learn to read people, you learn to read the room um, and read that, that engagement level. So you talked about a few times about sort of the energy and reading people. Um, that's, you know, it's easy to say, it's really hard to do. Uh, it's something that takes a while to learn, perhaps even sort of a lifetime. How, how, how have you honed this skill of, you know, reading the, the, the people and, you know, I guess related to reading the room of people? Um, it, it, it's um, even more complicated. Um, and, you know, I, I do think that something around energy, because you mentioned that word a few times, but I'm just curious, what are that, what is that process of reading people like for you? Where do you start? How did you learn the skill? Um, and if someone wants to develop the skill, where do they go? <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is, uh, I wish there was a course for it because um, I've definitely gotten it wrong. Uh, certain, you know, I, I probably still get it wrong. Um, hopefully less so now than I did earlier in my career, but um, it is, uh, I, I think the best way is through inquiry. Um, you know, you, if you're sensing something, um, asking questions. Uh, so if somebody is not engaged, um, understanding, uh, what is, you know, what, what are they working on? What are, uh, some roadblocks that they're facing, some stressors that they're facing? Um, but I think inquiry is the best way to develop that skill to sort of test your assumptions. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes you just, it's hard to articulate. I find that you walk into a conversation and you just feel it. And, yes. And it, it, it's, it's, it's really hard. That's why I was curious how you would articulate it because it's sometimes really hard to articulate. You just, you know, it's there. It's a pink elephant. Um, and, and, a, and you sort of have to make a choice whether you talk in the group or one on one or both. Um, it's, um, Probably comes with practice and a, a few, um, you know, mistakes along the way. So <laughs> maybe hopefully just a few. Um, you know, what have been, I guess, and that comes, you know, to the question of sort of, um, what have been sort of tough lessons? You know, have you gotten it wrong? Uh, what, what mistakes have you, um, made along the way that gave you opportunities to learn and, and, and be better? at this thing called reading people and reading rooms? Yeah, I, I mean, lessons learned. So earlier in my career, I think as a new manager, uh, I was probably solely focused on getting the work done um, and wasn't reading the room, so to speak. Um, you know, I think it, there were probably one or two instances where I just didn't realize somebody was stressed or uh, had something else going on and it got to a critical phase and they finally came to me. Um, and that raised my awareness of, okay, maybe I should pay attention to clues around human beings uh, earlier and more often. Um, and, you know, just developing that skill of inquiry um, and testing my assumptions. It's very interesting because, you know, there, there is still a pressure to get work done, right? Um, yes. That, that doesn't go away. <laughs> that is still there. Yet you sort of striving for this higher level of relationship that is sort of less transactional, yeah, more human. But the transaction is still there. Uh, <laughs> so, 
how do you, I guess, how do you become human in this transaction? Like what are the practical steps you do sure. uh, to, to, to actually, you know, show up as, as you know, yourself <laughs> as a human being you are, <laughs> you know, I think it's taking the time when you're not under the gun to develop the relationships. Um, it's true when you're in the middle of a deal, um, it's hard to spend time on the human aspect of things, or if you're at quarter end and you're trying to get as many deals done as you can, um, there's not a lot of time for, um, you know, the extras. Um, but what I try to do, for example, uh, in my staff meetings, I will reserve five or 10 minutes at the end of staff to just check in and uh, see how people are doing. Uh, my staff is usually on a Friday, so we'll end up talking about what people's weekend plans are. Or um, if I'm sensing someone is stressed, uh, I will, you know, set up a coffee with them, uh, you know, have a more informal environment, a more informal time to talk about how are, how are things going? Um, you know, what what is it that you're working on? What's causing uh, stress? How can we uh, come up with strategies to manage the work better? Uh, things like that. So we are, you know, getting toward the end. The one thing I do want to cover because you can't really talk about people without talking D and I, you know, um, initiatives and 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 issues, uh, because you know the 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 issues of diversity and inclusion and equity um, have been part of the news um, that been amplified during COVID. Uh, COVID, maybe in some extent helped us to be more aware but you know we are you know remote and so sometimes it's maybe harder sometimes it may be easier so i guess let's start with in this showing up as yourself and uh, and men and caring about people you know the related issue of building teams and what it means to get your team right to make sure you have diversity of skills uh, and and uh, diversity um, of thought on your team. What is kind of as a leader? What is your philosophy when it comes to actually sort of building a team and making sure that it's around the team, uh, positioned to support your internal client base and then largely fits in the organization of diverse clients, customers that the business serves. Sure. Um, I, I think diversity of thought and um, other forms of diversity are super important. Um, you know, if, if a team is uniform, uh, you end up potentially in a group think situation. And I think uh, diversity leads to more creativity on a team uh, and better problem solving for a company. Um, in terms of how I hire and recruit, um, I belong to many uh, diverse organizations, uh, both ethnic uh, GC groups, women GC groups, um, and the like. Uh, so I tend to put the word out more broadly um, and hopefully end up with a very diverse uh, pool of candidates for roles. And then in terms of actual hiring, uh, to me, the skill set, uh, the skill sets that are needed for a particular role are table stakes. Um, and then equally important to me, uh, I try to hire for mindset, um, people who care about uh, the team uh, just as much as they care about the work. Um, and I think that helps the, um, you know, the, the philosophy that I have around it's more than just about the work, it's about the people.
So you 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 mentioned a few gems, so we can unpack them. Let's talk about this. You know, you when you introduce someone, you you know you 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 focus on the mindset and specifically, you know, yes, skills and yes, uh, sort of how, how what does they add on the team? How do you test for that? You know, what is the line of questions? What are sort of good answers? Um, <laughs> what are, what are you looking for when when uh, when you assess that? Um, well, first I I have. Um, a couple of people on the team interview to get different points of view. Um, I ask hypotheticals on how they would handle, you know, particular sticky situations uh, and not just what would their legal analysis be, but how would they interact with people? Um, and then pre COVID, we would do the, the lunch interview where we would have a candidate come and have lunch with several of us on the team um, and just see how they react in a non um, transactional situation. Oh, that's very interesting. Um, does that usually include internal clients or members of the team? Typically, it's been members of the legal team. Um, but depending on the role, um, I won't necessarily have a business client be part of the lunch interview, but I will include them in a one-on-one -on -one, uh, interview. Okay. And um, what have you found in, in those informal interviews? Um, it, it's interesting. You, um, you know, I, I think most people are surprised, but end up being delighted by the lunch interview concept. Um, and then there are others whose personality uh, comes through loud and clear. And um, it becomes clear that they are, uh, they're, they're in a job for themselves rather than for the team. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Interesting. Is it usually something they do or say or both? It's both. It's it's how they talk, how they interact with people, um, who they interact with. Um, you know, it's often interesting to see uh, how people treat, you know, for example, a paralegal versus a senior attorney. Um, and if there's a big difference, that's that's a warning flag to me, quite honestly. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you definitely learn... Um, a lot about people when you uh, share food and, and, and find them in social situations. Um, you know, I, I want to talk a little bit more about, you know, you, you obviously uh, care about your team, but, you know, you're also a leader in your organization and your peers are, um, you know, executives in other functions. So you sort of have a, not sort of, you actually have a larger role of building um, teams um, within the entire organization intentionally that are uh, diverse. Um, as a general counsel, how do you play that role of, uh, you obviously care about uh, the um, diverse teams and, and uh, you know, they have diverse backgrounds and thoughts and how do you make sure that you actually have that point of view heard and, and, and lead that conversation and, and make sure that, you know, in the end, it's done right. Sure. Um, you know, I'm very fortunate to work on a team uh, that is uh, filled with great people, great at what they do, uh, and are very respectful of their peers. Um, and there are, uh, there's a lot of respect for the voices in the room. Uh, so when there's an issue that requires input, um, I, I don't hesitate to voice a point of view. And then it's a discussion. 
I'm, you know, there are very few cases where it's black and white. You know, yes, there's the one right thing to do or the one wrong thing that you shouldn't do. But rather, it's a discussion about understanding what the business objectives are and how do you navigate, um, you know, from where you are to that objective uh, while addressing any legal and compliance issues. Um, but like with everything else in life, it's about the dialogue and the relationships. Um, I'll ask you last question that is maybe uh, maybe put you a little bit on the spot. If you had to sort of assess the diversity of your current team. How would you assess it? How diverse do you think your current team is today? Um, I think it's pretty darn diverse. I've got um, you know majority women. Uh, we have minorities of all sorts on our team, and uh, most importantly, we have diversity of thought. Uh, I've got a team who doesn't hesitate to speak up and you know even question uh, you know when I when I put an idea out there. That's phenomenal. I thank you for that too, especially because you know I put you a little bit on the spot. Um, I'm sure you can handle your general counsel lecture role. That's kind of what we do all day, every day. <laughs> but uh, thank you for 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 playing along. Anima, we'll, we'll come to the end of our conversation, and um, you know um, maybe I'll I'll would like for you to maybe have one or two takeaways uh, that you think you know folks who are aspiring legal leaders or um, even general counsel uh, should have from this, you know, how do you care for people and how do you lead? Sure. Um, I mean, there's no doubt that early in your career, it's about getting the work done and doing it well. Um, but over time, I think that uh, developing that skill of uh, leading people, uh, which to me is understanding people, understanding what motivates them, um, working with them to bring their best selves to work um, is a skill that's necessary to truly be a good leader. Thank you so much. I, um, I want to appreciate the candor and, and all the helpful tips. Thank you so much for finding the time to have this conversation. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you, Olga. It's been delightful. Um, listeners and viewers, thank you so much for joining. As I mentioned before, um, folks that come to know my, my, my legal self show are nominated by you. So you can put, uh, suggestions in the, in the comments. You can directly message me. You can email me. Um, I, I check all of my inboxes uh, with some regularity and I look forward to your nominations. Hopefully today's conversation has inspired you to uh, to think about the, the people leadership journey as a journey full of feedbacks and ups and downs from which you can learn. Um, there are absolute rewards and you definitely can cover more and go further with an amazing team. Um, I think, uh, you know, to be a good leader, putting people first is a, an important skill to develop. And um, I really, really love uh, the conversation today about the importance of teams and, and building them intentionally. So thank you so much for joining. And I look forward to hearing from you and your nominations. Thank you so much. Bye, everyone. <laughs>